Welcome to ConExpo ConAg Radio, brought to you by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers with your host, Peggy Smedley. This is ConExpo ConAg Radio, brought to you by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. I'm your host, Peggy Smedley. We have a great show in store for you today. We're going to be talking all about technology advances in GNSS. But first, we want to remind you to subscribe to our 365 e-newsletter. This can help you stay up to date on the technologies and trends impacting construction. And you can do that by visiting our conexpoconag.com slash subscribe. And there's a lot of great information up there. And you can read articles on tech trends, uh, top construction tips for 2018, infrastructure predictions, and even RFID. On today's show, we'll be talking about all the technology advances, as I mentioned, in GNSS. And for those of you who might not know, GNSS stands for Global Navigation System Satellite. It uses small satellite to pinpoint the geographic location of a user's receiver on Earth. And Russia's GLONASS and the European Union's Galileo are two examples. And here's how it works. Satellites transmit waves from the satellite to Earth. Most GNS receivers have an antenna and a processing unit. So the antenna receives this signal, and GNSS has a number of applications in the construction industry. And that is what we're going to be exploring here today on the show. And always, I have a great guest that is going to join us for our discussion. Today's guest has more than 15 years of experience in GPS and machine control, and experience finding creative solutions for site positioning, grading, and excavating challenges. So please welcome David Rowlett, the U.S. Manager for Machine Control Division of Leica Geosystems, which is a part of Hexagon. David, welcome to the show. Thank you, Peggy. Thank you for having me today. So, David, we have a lot to talk about, and I had a long introduction there, but I had to get it all out there for all those listeners who might not know what GNS stands for. And so I really want you to kind of help me understand there's a lot of things going on in the construction space right now, and we're really discovering a lot of great trends. And you've been around for quite some time now and really understand it. I'd love to get your take on what you see are some of the most important trends that are impacting construction. Sure, uh, and and by the way, you did a great job explaining that. I was going to say we sh- we need to get your resume uh, after the show's over with here. Um, well, the uh, this is a lot of folks that uh, don't have any clue about what that uh, what GNSS, uh, which is really the new term that we use instead of GPS, which is what most people are used to, you know, using in their car or on their smartphone today, and uh, that technology has been around for quite a while. Um, I actually used to be in the Coast Guard and started using it, uh, navigating across the Pacific in, in the early days of the technology, and uh, it's come so far that it's uh, pretty amazing what it can do. And really one of the big things that's allowed us to start using that technology um, oh, uh, almost two decades ago now in construction um, is the fact that we are getting more and more precise with the technology. Um, on any given day, um, most of our users are able to enjoy uh, one centimeter, so that's roughly about three-eighths of an inch um, uh, horizontally and about uh, twice that, if, uh, you know, worst-case scenario, vertically, which is generally good enough for most um, all of the grading and excavating applications that we have out there. 
And, uh, you know, getting back to your question a moment ago, you know, I, I'm, I actually have a little bit of a narrow focus in the broader universe of construction and, and mine is construction positioning. And really the, the premise of this whole, uh, technology is that we have these, uh, fantastic precise positioning tools. Um, and there, there are others besides, uh, GNSS. That's the, that's probably the most, uh, common used one. And the idea is that, uh, we have a design that's created by engineers that we have to realize in the real world. And we take that design, we put it into computers that have positioning sensors connected to them, and we scale that up from the, the design drawing to the real world, and we can essentially uh, project a uh, uh, that reality onto the existing ground and then use that to turn the existing ground into the design that the engineer intended. And the big thing is that it lets us do that with uh, precision and accuracy and speed. Um, you know, in, in construction, like many fields, uh, or time is money. And having this um, constant knowledge of exactly where you are in relation to where you need to be um, is, a, is a huge liberating thing and, and allows us to move much, much faster in grading and excavating. And, and paving and those sorts of things. You know, David, and those are some really important points because I was, was thinking about what you were saying is when we talk about construction positioning tools just in general and we're seeing that these devices are, are really growing. And I think right now we're talking about just in 2017, we, we've gone and we're looking to it to grow almost to $8 billion when we look, it's forecasted by 2020. And that just shows... That whole idea, because if you can complete a project, we all know about the costs of a project delay. But when we're talking about from that ground to design and the speed, that's what's really exciting about this. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about right now is that we're able to do things so much faster, averaging an estimate more than one device per person on the planet. I mean, you know, we're really talking about things so quicker than we ever thought. And I think that's kind of the backbone technology is is kind of increasing in sophisticated applications. And that's really what you're describing, right? I am. And, and you know, what it helps if you understand, uh, let's talk about grading for a moment. It helps if you understand the way that contractors graded in the past. So typically what you would have is grade stakes that were driven in the ground and you'd have a line marked on them and it would, you know, you had to grade up to that line or a certain distance below that line. And um, those stakes would be put in typically at 25 or 50 foot intervals. And uh, the operator, and, and they were very skillful and artful in what they did, would have to try to visually interpolate from one stake to the next. And, you know, they were good and did a good job at it, um, but we're human beings. And, uh, you know, our eye is fallible. And so now as they drive along that 25-foot stretch, they're actually getting 20 corrections per second to the blade on their machine, automatically moving it up and down and tilting it to the to the correct slope and uh able to lay that material down. So we went from 
um, a stake every 25 feet to uh, 20 corrections per second to the hydraulics to keep that blade on on the ground and and where it needs to be and to be able to place that material where it needs to be. So it's it, to say that it's a quantum leap forward in ability is is probably an underestimate. Um, uh, what's interesting is one of the uh, the other companies in our industry did some tests a couple of years ago where they they had a section of highway. And they did one mile of highway in the traditional method and they met, measured the processes and the, and how quickly they were able to get that done and the efficiencies with material and fuel, et cetera, et cetera. Then they did the, the next section of highway, identical highway with these new techniques and the savings in time and fuel, um, were on the order of 50%. It took them half the time, half the fuel, half the wear and tear on the machines. They had it done better more precisely and the those numbers are so large that I don't even talk about them because when I talk about you know 50% savings uh when in a sales situation most contractors look at you like you're you know that's too good to be true but it really is and that's one of the fun parts about my job is uh when you provide this technology to, to a contractor that has not used it before and you you stand back and you watch the operator uh, on day one, you know, they're kind of doing things, used to doing things the old way, and they get out of the machine frequently and they're checking. And as the day wears on, they get out a little bit less and a little bit less. And you kind of see, you know, they got this uh, furrows in their brow and they're concerned and they're they're anxious about how, how this tool is going to work. And uh, that gives way to a, to a smile uh, as the the day wears on and you know by the second day they're not getting out of the machine anymore and at all and that's really what it boils down to you know uh machinery and construction uh in in earth moving is incredibly expensive it's a it's a very expensive capital asset and if that asset is sitting still and not producing it's really costing the contractor money and that's really what this tool does is that it produces the product that they produce, which is um, uh, ground that is the, at the correct slope, moisture, and compaction, and height um, for the project, um, done in the most fast, uh, you know, quickest, most efficient means, and that's really what this does. It's it's quite liberating in in uh, for contractors about how fast and efficient they can become by the use of of uh, this technology, and and I mentioned earlier there are other related technologies <clears throat> the the you know gnss uh gps for for the uh, other folks that have used that um probably makes up about 80 to 90 percent of the machines that are running with guidance um the other technology is called robotic total stations which is an optical device that locks onto and follows the machine and tells it um where it, where it is and uh, it's actually more precise, considerably more precise vertically, um, but the limitation it has is its line of sight. Um, the other thing that's been around that was really the first technology that was used is rotating lasers, and that's actually more precise vertically than GNSS, but it's, uh, it also has that line of sight limitation and, uh, limitation, and it creates a plane, and so you can only work on a job on a flat plane um, which works for things like building pads, but most jobs today are, you know, have uh, very few 
purely flat surfaces. Um, they're, they're, you can do it in facets, if you will, like you would on a gemstone, but it's slow and inefficient. So everybody's actually trending towards this full 3D capability that you have with GNSS. And I think what's really telling is in um, one of the early tools that came out was on, you know, your compact machines, skid steers, compact track loaders. They make grading attachments for those. And so you, you saw a lot of uh, what we call 2D or rotating laser-based systems on those. And nobody really even thought for a moment about putting 3D on there because the cost of a 3D, complete 3D system was about the same as the machine and the attachment combined. And uh, that, you know, it was hard for people to get their mind around the idea of something. You know, they had this paradigm in their head about the relative cost between the two. But more and more and more today, you know, not only do we see it on the big machines, the dozers and the motor graders and excavators, but we're actually starting to see people spend the money on a system um, for compact machines um, that is equivalent and sometimes more than the machine itself. And again, in business, you know, when you're making an investment in tools, it's not so much the cost of the tool as it is what the tool can do for you. And so that's really an example of the power and the and the level of do- adoption that we're moving towards with this 3D technology. Well, let, let me ask you a question with the idea of like moving with you have to do inspections and augmented reality. How will this tool play a role with other advances in technology that's happening as well? It, it is central to the the core of this idea of augmented reality. So in, in a 3D system, you have two main things. You have a 3D model of what you intend that, that piece of ground to look like when you're done, and then you have this positioning system that allows you to, to go from the existing reality to the to the desired reality. And, you know, the what the operator sees on the screen is, is an augmented reality. It's it's maybe not the uh, traditional view of augmented reality where you look up and you can see it, you know, uh, in front of you. Um, I think we're moving in that direction. I think we'll see that, um, and I think we'll see autonomous machines in the not too distant future as well. But um, that positioning technology, whether it's GNSS or robotic total stations, are at the very heart of those uh, uh, augmented reality systems. Certainly where, you know, there's some basic ones that let you kind of view uh, things to be. Um, generally, those are um, not being used to actually construct. They're actually just being used to kind of see and get an idea of what, what's to come. Um, but when you actually have to get in and have the precision required to construct something, then you need these higher precision technologies. Uh, you know the G, the GPS or GNSS in your phone is accurate to probably about ten feet horizontal and maybe twenty feet vertical. Um, so it knows you know what street you're on um, and knows which house you're in front of, but um, it can't tell you um, precise enough to build with the GPS GNSS that we use and the robotic total stations that we use. Uh, GNSS is about like a peanut M and M standing on end. Mm-hmm. And a robotic total station is about like a tic-tac standing on end. So that's how precise they are. It can, it can tell you where on a particular bottle cap you happen to be. That's the, that's the order of magnitude difference between, um, 
the two positioning technologies. And that's really what enables us to be able to build with this augmented reality. What do we talk about the idea of interoperability with all of these technologies that we talk about to get the data, the information that we want to connect our machines with our software applications and all the things that are happening at the job site? Where do you see that happening in the future? That's a fantastic question, and it's something that we we find ourselves talking about every day. Um, so there's there's two again we have there's two sides of that coin. First of all, there's the data that that's actually kind of become homogenized already. There are some industry standards, uh, XML for example, uh, DXF. Uh, those are some industry standard formats that you can use to share data between different uh, CAD programs, and and most of the machine systems out there can take those in, um, you know, directly into the machine. The and then the other side of that is that positioning technology, and that is actually getting um, it, it's still a bit proprietary in some ways, but it, it's getting more and more um, to where you can you can interoperate um, with those different positioning systems, different brands of positioning systems. Um, that's something uh, that we find ourselves doing every day is having a a Leica machine running off of a Trimble base or, or a Topcon machine running off of our GPS, GNSS base. Um, we do that every day. And so, um, you know, the devil's in the details or some little steps you have to take to, to make that happen, but it's not near as hard as it, as it might seem. And I think that that's gotten easier and I think it will continue to get easier. Um, some of these positioning technologies, GNSS, I think is the, the the receivers are ubiquitous today. You you mentioned that it's everywhere, from watches to you know RFID tags on packages uh, that are being tracked. Um, you know, container ship containers are being tracked around the globe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's everywhere. Um, the high precision capability um, is not, and there are, but but it, that's slowly happening as well. Um, there are uh, GNSS networks that uh, are being built. Like it has the largest footprint in the world and the largest footprint in North America. And we are uh, growing that network uh, to serve a variety of partners. And I think the day will come where that coverage and the high precision capability will be everywhere. Um, you know, if you think about that kind of precision, um, you know, uh, those, that that accuracy precision of peanut M M&M and M standing on end and having that updated at twenty times a second, you start to imagine that that could be useful in a um, uh, in an autonomous vehicle, you know, and self driving cars could could benefit from that technology. So um, I think you're going to see uh, that happen more and more and more. We're already starting to use that capability. In, uh, in construction as well. What, one of the secret things that, that, or one of the things that we have to have to achieve those accuracies is this idea of a base and a rover. So every one of these precise GNSS systems you see out there, there's a base station mounted somewhere. It, it might be on a tripod on the job site or it might be mounted permanently on a building nearby. And that's what I'm referring to is these uh, networks of these base stations mounted in such a way that you end up eventually having continuous coverage everywhere. 
So do you see a lot more of the smaller, because it sounds like the larger companies get it and they're adopting it, but are we have to kind of get the smaller construction companies to see that this is where they've got to go. It just makes sense going forward, right? It does. And, I, you know, we, I think we're, we're definitely past the early adoption phase. I mean, this technology has been around for quite a while now. And, um, uh, you know, they obviously the big, Highway contractors have, have adopted this stuff and on uh, mass a, a while ago. Um, but what's interesting is that if you look at the bottom line, um, a lot of times the small contractors will, you know, it has a greater impact on their profitability and growth perhaps than what it does for the large contractors. It benefits them both, uh, uh, than both, but, um, the the relative benefit is actually often larger for uh, the small contractor, and and one of the other things that we all do is we we try to make it scalable. So contractors, even in full 3D, contractors could start out with an investment as small as about 20k. Um, you can't buy a, a used pickup um, for that, and so they can start out with an investment that small, start using the 3D technology, and then add. Uh, a few pieces at a time until they grow that out to their to their entire fleet. So we you know we have a lot of ways to make it very scalable for them and uh, and there's a learning curve. It, this is a different way of doing business. Um, it's incredibly uh, fast and efficient, but it is different. And there are different uh, disciplines, uh, different skill sets that you need, different skill sets that you need in your company. And that's a big part of it. Um, you know, we have uh, GNSS technology and construction has not reached the, uh, you know, over the counter stage yet because, uh, there's a lot of that stuff that, that uh, folks have to learn. And so what we do is very consultative. Um, uh, you know, a big part of what we do is showing them how to uh, adapt this technology and make the most out of it in their construction processes. And uh, it requires the operators to learn how to operate a little bit differently, uh, the construction company to, to plan their jobs um, and their technology um, uses and modeling uh, a little bit differently. Um, you know, they're estimating. It, it starts all the way back in their estimating process and, and uh, carries forward all the way through. And um, but that's what we're good at is to help them start with baby steps and work up to the point where um, they don't have any stakes at all anymore, and they're they're you know at the state of the art stage with their ability to to construct with this technology. And and I, we have one last question, David. Looking at this going forward, where do you see the market now? Technology just keeps changing. We have the Internet of Things, and we have all this emerging analytics and, and big data, and we're seeing all of this happen. How do you see construction really changing? They have to change to be competitive or they're not going to be in business. How do you see positioning technology like this really changing and other technology that's coming into play really evolving at the job site, in the office, all the things that are happening? That's a great question. Um, you know, there, the connectivity to the job site, uh, between the job site and the office is a, uh, has been a growing trend. Um, and it's kind of the, the state of the art of things today. And I think that will continue to grow. Um, awareness, um, you know, intelligent, uh, decision making tools 
that uh, look at what's happening on the job side and let the contractor adjust. Um, uh, 4D is a, a big buzzword these days in that, you know, we, have, we think of 3D and our positioning and 4D as the element of time. Um, you know, the good example that I had was, you know, you're putting a trench in to lay some pipe or something like that, but then you're going to have to bring a piece of equipment across it, uh, knowing when that trench is going to be done and covered so that you can bring your equipment through there and the timing of all that is critical. And the bigger the project and the more people, the more critical that gets. But, um, you know, some of the cutting edge things, we, we often get asked about autonomous construction machines. It's coming. It's, it's no question that it will. Um, it's, it's here today in farming. It's here today in mining. Um, the big difference is that both of those tend to be in remote areas without a whole lot of people in them. So the, the risks are, are lower. Um, you know, it's really a safety factor. Uh, I think as soon as we have self-driving automobiles, which I personally think are, um, you know, within the next uh, decade, they're going to become commonplace, in my, my opinion. Um, I think that you'll see that uh, in construction machines as well. Um, well, not, I- we're not there today because of the. There's still a, a quite a bit of art. The operators have to know how to move dirt and how to, you know, uh, make things work efficiently on the job site in addition to positioning, but we're getting there. It'll be interesting to see how we put all of this and keep our job sites safe when we put, use all this technology, right? Right. That's great. Well, David Rowlett, you know, the manager, uh, U.S. manager for Machine Control Division at Leica Geosystems, which is part of Hexagon, thank you for being with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Peggy. Enjoy it. Appreciate it. All right. The, you know, you just heard there's a lot of great new advances in GNSS and software and hardware are both evolving very rapidly. And it's great to see so much happening. And we hope you've all enjoyed some really great insight that David gave us there. So that's all the time we have for today's podcast. So join us next time as we continue to look at all the great new technologies in construction. So ConExpo ConAg Radio is brought to you by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. So we want you to stay up to date on the technologies and trends impacting the construction industry by subscribing to our 365 e-newsletter. And you can do that by visiting conexpoconag.com slash subscribe. And again, thank you for tuning in to Conexpo Conag Radio brought to you by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers.